Welcome to From Earning to Learning, the podcast where we talk about all things education. I'm your host, Dave Franjosen. Welcome to another episode of From Earning to Learning. It's a very special episode because I'm here live in Houston with Johanna Brown. This is the first in-person interview that I'm doing. So welcome, Johanna. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we are coming to you from the National Science Teachers Association. Oh, excuse me. It's National Science Teaching Association Conference in Houston. Uh, I teach chemistry and computer science up in uh, good old Pullman, Washington in the northwest corner of the United States. Yeah, and I'm a physics teacher from New Jersey, as you guys know. So um, there's a lot going on, and we have a Mm. ton to talk about. So we're going to get to as much of it as we can. Um, I don't know how much we'll cover, but um, you had written a post a while back that really resonated with me. It's something that I've talked about before, too. Um, This has been the hardest year that I've ever had as a teacher. So, like, where were you at when you kind of wrote that post yeah I think um definitely seeing uh seeing students act in ways I hadn't really seen before and just feeling like it was taking me so long to create that connection that that is what really keeps me teaching right um and so feeling that students took that long to trust me and just knowing that my personal emotional regulation was not where it's at like I had a student talking to me, we were conferencing to talk about her grade, um, and she was talking about just not not feeling as focused and not feeling as good, and I was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm as good of a teacher as I was two years ago, and her eyes went wide, like she could not quite process, Um, and and I was like, yeah, I just, I'm just not quite where I feel like I was at, Um, and, and we're getting there and we're working towards it, but I think we really need to take care of ourselves right now and and understand that we're all dealing with trauma, the students, the teachers, um, and we're trying to come back into a good learning space. So, So, and I I think it's really important to hear that from you because as somebody on the outside looking in, I mean, you're crushing it, (laughs) you know? So like, I I look at what you're doing and I was like, that's awesome. So, you know, I, I think it's important for people to hear. And, you know, you had mentioned off air about imposter syndrome yeah you know so yeah what are your thoughts on that yeah so I think I mean I I post a lot on Twitter and what do we share we share the positive things right that's what we're seeing on Facebook so when you see other people and you hear them talk about their teaching it's it's a lot of those positive things Um, and I don't think we're quite as open with all of the tough times that we have one one thing that's huge for mentorship I think if you're if you were either being mentored or you are actively mentoring other teachers we really have to share our struggles with each other um, and and know that kind of everybody is going through it Uh, something for me just being at a conference in presenting at first I was really scared to present, but now I've seen it's all just people trying to share good stuff. It's not about being the best or like, this is the one right way. Um, we just have to build these connections so we don't feel so isolated. Yeah, but so I've, I've struggled with that wh- a lot. What were you scared of? That you were gonna violate the fire <gasps> code because there were too many people <laughs> in your room? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, it got a little crowded in there. We were talking about ungrading, which we will again. Um, but I think, yeah, you, you kind of feel like a fake. 
You know, the, the first time I presented, I talked about, I was doing this thing where I had an honors option, this nested honors option chemistry, which I don't do anymore because I'm always changing. But um, just like, am I, do I know enough to be sharing with people? Like, should they trust me? Um, I don't know. So I'm a really big proponent of telling people this is, this is one way, but everyone has their own classroom and needs to make it their own way Um, and it's scary but then once you figure out like oh my gosh we're all just muddling through this and it's all good I I definitely feel a lot better yeah you know I I agree sitting in on a few sessions and just getting that confirmation that hey look we're we're all trying to move towards the same things and they're seeing the same things that I'm seeing so coming here being with a whole bunch of other like-minded educators has really kind of brought me back to not where I was a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. moving towards it, Yeah, you know. And sorry if you hear some traffic in the background. <laughs> We're recording outside in the beautiful Houston air. Yeah. We're just trying to give you a taste of the city today. Yeah. So. so um, but yeah, so you had mentioned ungrading. Yeah. Right? And we do things a little different and, you know, but that's the thing. It, it's all based on, you know, needs of you of your students flexible frameworks and you know how can we move students away from some of those harmful practices yeah we're each trying to find our own way to do that so talk a little bit about um your method to ungrading how you got there like what you're doing where you're going yeah um well i am i've gone through the journey of standards based to mastery based and now to ungrading that i think a lot of people follow Um, And at first it was just really incremental every year. I would fine tune things and change them and then COVID hit and I was just begging students to like submit anything. It just felt wrong. And I had kind of talked myself into believing that I was super student centered and my grading was really equitable and it wasn't compliance based. And when we went home and I didn't I couldn't use my personality in the classroom to motivate students. They really didn't have motivation to learn chemistry. So it pushed me. And I was also like, oh yeah, I do NGSS, which I think a lot of us tell ourselves, uh, and it isn't always true. So it really got me to be phenomenon-based, to to give students that drive and that intrigue, and then coupled with ungrading. So basically, uh, ungrading, Um, Sometimes people hear that word and they think like, oh, so no grades, you don't do anything. What about at the end of the term or the end of the semester? And I do have to submit um, a letter grade per my school district. But basically, otherwise, I don't grade anything. I just give students a lot of feedback. And then in my grade book, I track whether or not they did it. So that's that's what we're doing. Um, And we're really focused on growth. And if students can get better incrementally from wherever they started. So I think it's a lot more accessible to students, a lot more equitable. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. So when you talk about equity, like, you know, I think people have a misconception of what equity is. Mm. So, and I know you're a huge proponent and very vocal um, on Twitter about like equity <laughs> and inclusion, and, you know. So, um, like, it, it's not making sure everybody has the same thing. No, you know? no. And, like, I think that's probably the biggest misconception that people have. So, like, 
when you talk about equity, how do you approach it? Mm -hmm. I, I know some of the things that you do, so mm -hmm. you know, um, I think it, it'd be important for some people to hear that. Yeah, that's funny. that makes me think. So there was a, a first year teacher who came up to me after I presented yesterday, and she was like, "How do you do this? I cannot make a different activity for every single student." And I was like, "Don't, please don't do that. Please, you're a first year teacher. Just focus on." helping them do things and yeah. and figure things out um and that made me think what one reason i love this is like i said i used i used to have this nested honors course that i don't do anymore um because i was creating different things for different students and and now we all are what's the right way to put this we're kind of all living in the same stream but we might be at different points so when we're learning about, like we just finished up our bonding and materials unit, which is based on NASA's Artemis mission. And so we are, we started out just learning about space and students asking questions and, and delving into that. And now they have chosen a, a material that NASA uses and they're explaining the properties and the bonding and everything that goes into that to cause it to be great in space. Um, so as we've gone through that, we're, we're working on some ideas, but students kind of get to do what they're interested in and then grow to the point that they can. Um, so I have some students who come to me who, we have a pretty good physical science class, pretty robust, um, and we have students who transfer from out of district, so they haven't had some of the content that, that is loaded for them, the class they take with me. Um, but I'm down to teach them that stuff. We can build it in. We do tons of looping. Um, we're always coming back to the same ideas. So students get multiple chances to pick things up. Um, and again, I'm, I'm trying to not focus. I, this is not a visual situation, but imagine I lay out my 10 fingers like I'm putting them on a piano key. And if those are 10 students, I'm going to move them all up to the right. Like we're all going to shift up. And I don't really see myself as having like a single line, a single finish line that everybody needs to get across that's at the same point. Um, so we're all growing and learning in the context of the phenomenon we're talking about. Um, and we're, maybe we're all learning some different things um, and working through that. So, so it's more like value added. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, now you're talking about equity from like an instruction point of view, but I know you go way beyond that and you know like i see i've seen your draws of snacks and like you know oh yeah like, yeah yeah you know, yeah so okay we yeah get let's let's talk about some of those nuts and bolts so yeah just trying to make um make the classroom a, a really safe space with students and i will i hope other people uh vibe with this phones are have been a, a big problem this year and i hate policing students so um in terms of this equity idea like I think especially teen girls and going to the bathroom and like figuring out your period when you're young is really hard and we have sometimes these intense bathroom rules like none of the first 15 minutes and it's like well if you're having an emergency sure. what are we so I don't uh, you can just take the bathroom pass you trade your phone in my class I've got any any sort of hygiene thing you might need I saw on Twitter I can't remember who posted it but they had spray deodorant Okay. Which is nice because then, you know, you're not like sharing uh -huh. somebody's deodorant. But if somebody forgets their deodorant, they know that uh, we have that. We've got snacks. We've got pencils. So in my class, they sit in pods. I do a lot of teamwork. Um, but in the middle of their pod, they've got whiteboards, calculators, markers, pencils, rulers, like anything that they could possibly need. It's just there. 
it's ready. Um, and we have a little, uh, we call it table of the week. So they get stickers and they get to pick our walkout song on Friday. Okay. Um, but table of the week kind of makes sure that everybody has their stuff organized at the end of class. And so really just trying to make a community. And I think that's why it's been a hard year is we just weren't practiced yeah. in community building. And so that's something I'm still, I'm still really working on. But, and I think that's one of the things that makes you so effective is that it's every aspect of your interactions with students supports every other interaction. There's no inconsistencies. And I think a lot of times, and I, I've said this before, teachers do a lot of things very, very well, but then they completely undermine themselves mm. by doing one or two things where students are just like, you're a hypocrite. Yes. Oh, I know I've done those things. You I'm... know, and, and like one of those things is grading. Yeah. You know, and like you can, you can create the most dynamic, inclusive mm. classroom, but then when you put a points or a score or something that is going to negatively impact a student for the remainder of the year, that's all they see. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the subtext of my presentation. Like, look, you, and if you're a science teacher, you'll connect with this. If not, maybe not. But we talk about this 3D instruction, and so you're you're doing all of these things three dimensionally. You're you're helping students see the all of the major aspects of science. But if you harshly grade, if you say, "Hey, scientists take time to do things. Scientists need to fail." and then you don't let students fail, you punish failure, you punish missing a deadline by a couple days by taking points off. Exactly, the word is undermined. You've undermined your message to students by doing that. And, you know, so then there's also, you know, when, when people have tried these alternate methods but don't change anything else, mm. said, well, I didn't put a grade on it and nobody did it. Well, you're not supporting that with yeah. the other practices. So. Um, you know, it's a transition. It's not yes. easy. You know, look, the the switch is front-loaded effort. Mm-hmm. But, like, once you're in it, it's no more challenging than anything that you've done traditionally. Um, it's just a lot of conversations. But for me, that's the fun part. Yes. It's actually, like, talking to students and, you know. What? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Isn't that, isn't that why we do this? Yeah. You know? Because, like, some of the stuff they come out with is, you know, every day is different. Yeah. You know, and, and that's part of the, the joy of being a teacher mm -hmm. is just, like, you know, what's going on in their head. And, like, you know, um, how, how can we help them, like you said, just incrementally move to where they need to be. Yeah. You know, and each person each person's path is just a, a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I, I think our structures really do honor that and support that and you know um now i don't do like i've been doing this for this is my seventh year and like i moved away from doing different assignments mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so we do everything we do is low floor high ceiling mm -hmm. and we differentiate support yeah so yeah. It, it's just you know okay here's where you're coming into our learning conversation and you know, wherever that is, it's fine. There's no judgment. Although, some, oh no, some well. people, some some people <laughs> may think like you know you can't teach without judging. We won't name them, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but you you don't need to judge students to teach them. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, so like 
and I, I know you resonate with that, but like, <laughs> um, it, it's really just like, where are you? What do you need? That's mm-hmm. like, yes, that's an evaluation. That's an assessment, but it's not a judgment. It's not okay. Like, like it you has said, no moral no, basis. Yeah. You don't have a predetermined line of where you expect them to be or where you need them to be. Now I put that line there just so they can goal set, but <laughs> depending on individual students like you know I, I teach a lot of students that have IEPs and 504s so that line is not reasonable for them mm-hmm. so we change the line and like it doesn't make it arbitrary it makes it fair yeah you know um, so just moving away from that judgment meeting students where they're they are giving them what they need yeah. um, you know those are all the things I mean that's what ungrading or gradeless or whatever you call it is about and you're right the term we it's it's not we're still grading so like people have a hard time wrapping uh-huh, their head around uh-huh. it um and like at the end of your session i i you know the conversations that you're having with people it's just like but wait like you know they <laughs> it, you can see like the the wheels just turning so yeah. you know and i guess the the best way that i can describe it it's a mindset. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's not so much about the grade. Yeah, we put a grade there, but it's it's the result, not the focus. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I think there's a... Uh, uh, can't remember the Greek philosopher, but there's this idea of foxes and hedgehogs. And have you heard this? No, Okay, so it's um, the fox knows many things. The hedgehog knows one big thing. And when I think about if you're, if you're trying to do some great inclusive instruction, but you grade a certain way, or you, you know, you're saying we're doing all of these big units, but um, you're not giving students time to actually investigate and get data on their own. Like you can't input 10 little things like a fox when, when you're teaching, you need to have your, your Northern got what am I trying to say like your north star that you're pointing to right and so if you if you think about this is how I want to treat students and this is how I want them to feel in class and then base everything else off of that you're just going to have an easier time you're, you're not you just make decisions based on that guiding principle instead of having to try out all these little different things and, and make these tiny choices so I would I would encourage teachers to try and come up with like what what's your one big hedgehog thing mm-hmm. um, and it just it, you go home at the end of the day feeling better like I made all my choices based off of that and I feel pretty good and I did my best and I'm gonna go sleep well and not feel anxious about my students <laughs> which is still hard but you know what though that's also modeling the behavior for the students right so we say it's okay to fail, but mm. then they see us being perfect or mm-hmm. trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, what message is that sending? Yeah. You know, and so when mm. you say, okay, you know, we have that North Star and we're working towards it. And, you know, some days we work towards it better than we do other days. Heck yeah. You know, um, so it, it's, it's one of those things where, like, we need students to see us not be perfect. Yes. You know, and then they understand, well, hey, it's okay not to be perfect. And I think one of the most powerful things I've ever done in the classroom is say, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but like, let's figure it out. Yeah. You know, and the way students respond because they're sitting there, the first time they hear you say that, they're just like, wait a second, (laughs) there's things you don't know. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's a, there's more things I don't know than I do know. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's really powerful for them to see you're on that journey with them 
Yes. And I think, man, so I dealt with a lot of perfectionism in high school that really harmed me. Um, and just knowing that adults, and I try to tell this to students all the time, I'm like, if any adult tells you they, they know everything that's going on, like, they're lying. <laughs> you yeah. should not trust them. Um, so, so I think we really do need to show students that, again, we don't need to feel like imposters. Everybody's muddling through. And perfectionism, I've really thought about it a lot in the framework of uh, this article, which is now a website, um, The Tenets of White Supremacy Culture. Um, and so I would Google that, look it up. But they talk about some different things. So there's, there's perfectionism. Um, having having right and wrong thinking, living in a binary that everything is always either or and can't figure out the middle. The other huge one that was has just helped me personally and that I really try and instill in students is that most of the urgency in our lives is false. Right? And, I, and I hear teachers talk about this sometimes, like I have to have deadlines because what if a student doesn't get their scholarship application in on time? And it's like, there that's great for that scholarship people need to read it there is a deadline you holding those deadlines will not necessarily train them to be able to submit that scholarship i i had such bad perfectionism procrastination cycles in high school i i did not turn things in because i just was completely frozen um and i think if i had had and i i had great teachers and i think a lot of them would have helped me but i i couldn't ask for it either so making students see that if they do something a little bit late or if they could just do part of it or if they could just try um they're gonna learn more and they will that will actually help them better get over dealing with deadline issues you know i I think we put a lot on students that they're going to need to win whatever insert whatever but you know the real world but (laughs) here's the yeah like eventually you're talking about when they're a professional you're talking about when they're fully developed during the process of developing all that stuff is a distraction from building those skills you know so um it, like we have to get away from that thinking of we're preparing them for what's next because uh-huh. maybe at this developmental stage they're not ready for what's next yeah. they need this specific piece in order to be ready for the next piece that's going to get them to yes. what's next yes so you know like that that false deadline that you know um and look yeah we need to get things in a timely manner because we need to give feedback. Yeah. It's part of the process. Yeah. So the consequence of not turning something in in my class is you don't get feedback on that thing. Yeah. You know, and so you you miss an opportunity to grow. Yep. All right. Now, if you miss too many of those opportunities, I don't have enough evidence to say where you're at so I just can't give you credit you didn't fail I just don't have enough evidence Mm -hmm. to say you've achieved yeah you know and it like I know it ends up in the same thing no credit but the mentality of it's very different and the conversations that you have around it are very very different and so like you know when we talk about ungrading and gradeless or whatever we call it it's mindset not the fact that at the end everybody puts a letter somewhere Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, something that has been so cool this year that I'm really seeing at the at the beginning. I had a lot of students struggling to get things to me to get feedback, um, and in our conferences and talking about it, 
I've been saying, you know, if, if you could get things in closer to the deadline, if you're doing them when we're doing them in class, you won't be scrambling. You'll get feedback and you'll actually remember what you were thinking about. Like, let's really try and work on that. And I, those students who were having issues with that, so many of them are now, they'll, they'll turn thing in, things in now, even if it's not completely done because they want the feedback, they want to stay on top of it and they see how it helps them. Yeah. even if it's not perfectly on time. And that is one of my favorite things that I've seen this year um, with how I'm conferencing with students is a lot of them are just better at like, oh, yeah, I should just try and get this done right now instead yeah. of freaking out about it. Of course. It. So, you know, one of the challenges that I'm having, because I don't do homework, mm -hmm. everything's done during class time, and I'm still seeing some of those challenges of ah, things not yeah. getting completed. And, you know, we're having students and – they're not working independently. Mm -hmm. So, like, they view independent time as free time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter how many conversations that I have. It's just like, okay, no. Independent time is where you practice the things that you need so that I can help you yeah. improve those things. It's not, hey, I get to do what I want. And I've had far too many of those conversations. So, you know, when, when you talk about, like, when you talk about students approaching the year differently mm. and you know like um, I'm seeing it and like they don't have the stamina yeah. you know like we have 56 minute classes and you know after about 40 minutes they're shot yeah yeah you know um, so like how have you kind of navigated that that's interesting I am I don't know if this is the right word I am slightly manipulative um, <laughs> like I I maybe preload things and make them seem like deals and build stuff up. So like, I, I also don't assign homework, and, but most of the teachers at my school do. And so I was like, look, team, I would love to make a deal with you all. Like, what do you think? And they're like, what kind of deal? I'm like, okay, so how about we don't do any homework, which I've already planned. We're not gonna do homework. But what if we tried not doing homework but we just really used our class time. Like, I need you to give me this class time and try, try the whole time and we won't do homework. So <laughs> I kind of do things like that um, to, to get that buy-in um, yeah. and, and just see if they'll make deals. And it's kind of false ownership. It's maybe like love and logic, you know, for your toddler, but um, it, does, it does help. And I still have students getting off task but I would say really my students most of the time are working um, they do get out their phones a lot more um, than usual and we've we had masks um, which was good I, I have not gotten COVID yet but we had masks until two weeks ago okay. um, and I just a lot of my energy I'm the kind of teacher like if we as a team as a state as a school say masks are mandated then masks will be worn in my classroom like mm -hmm. it will be over your nose that's I, I don't want to police people but again this is our state mandate this is the world we're living in um, and so I really found I could not also have the emotional fortitude personally and the enough positive like experiences banked with students to do masks and phones I've really thought about that a lot this year. Like, there's only there's only so much like true controlling of students in a space, which I don't love to do. Um, and I, I normally did kind of reserve that for phones. Um, 
which I'm, I'm, I just am not sure where we go with this. Yeah. Um, I, and, and cause I want students and I don't think phones are evil, but they're I, a distraction. Yes. And, and when we're constant, we know if we're constantly switching back and forth between phones and work, we're just not learning as deeply. We aren't doing that great focus time. Um, so that's the thing I'm struggling through right now is, is how is that going to look? I think my school is actually going to go to a phone free, like every teacher has that oh, calculator really? pocket okay. thing. Um, and we've been talking about it as a staff. It's what our, where our principal wants to move to. And I'm torn. Um, cause I, I love helping students regulate themselves. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like maybe, maybe we all need help and maybe I'll put my phone there too and we'll all just do it together and, um, maybe talk about how, how it's changing our brains and our daily experiences. So we'll see how yeah, it goes. I, I've had a lot of those conversations, but you got to remember for two years, they've had their phone on their computer as they've been in class. Mm -hmm. So like it's, it's a habit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like breaking habits is hard. Yes. So, and you know, I, I constantly survey my students and like yeah. for them, the masks were an added distraction, mm. you know, and like, I get it. It's just, it's something else. It's, you know, but like they were necessary. Unfortunately, I did get COVID. <laughs> my, my four year old brought it home from daycare <laughs> and my whole house went down like dominoes, but uh, I didn't get it from my school or my students, yeah. like, you know, um, but I mean, if, if that hadn't happened, you know, I'd, I'd probably still be wearing a mask in class, but you know, um, but it did. So, uh, yeah. you know, hey, we, we, dro we dropped our mandate, um, what, like March, the end of March or yeah. something. So, um, you know, no, not the end of February, whatever it was. So, um, you know, it's, Hasn't changed anything, you know. It's just now, like, there, there's one less thing that I have to worry about. Yeah, yep. You know, yeah. It, it's because my students weren't wearing it properly, and, like, to, to police them, it's just, like, it was just draining. Yep. You know, it's just like, okay, it's not even a little down. It's under your chin. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Come it's on, like, bud. Yeah, it's like you're not even trying here, you know. Um and, like, once again, it, it's the same kind of thing that, like, you know, if that's the rule, like, I follow the rule. Yeah. You know, and so for me personally, I and I like to model things, so they never saw me without it, you yeah. know, on. And I was like, I hate these as much as you do. Yes. Nobody <laughs> nobody likes it. You know, like, you, you think people like wearing these. Like, that's not true. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's a, a little personal sacrifice to help other people. Yeah. You know? Yes. And I, I think... Ooh. I, I think may, we've gotten away from that a little bit, that sense of community and that, like, you know, the actions, um, my actions actually impact other people. Yes. You know? Um, yeah. So. I talk to students a lot about that, especially in AP Computer Science. So they're all coding. Um, and they're mostly, I don't do a lot of direct instruction in that class. Um, they're mostly just, like, doing all these coding activities that are pretty awesome. Um, but it means it needs to be a functional space for everybody to work. Like they're yeah. not in their own little cubicles or maybe they're all going to end up working for Google and they'll be on that open floor plan. So I, maybe I am preparing them for their future jobs, but I've talked with them a lot about how being in a community like this, working with others means you don't get things to be 100% your way. You don't get to be 100% comfortable yeah. 
because your 100% comfort means somebody else is at 50%. So what things do we come up with so we can all be 90? Yeah. Like, so you never have to be 50, but you also never get to be 100%. And that's, that's society. Sure. Um, so we talk about that a lot in like noise levels and what, you know, if you're don't like slap on your keyboard really hard, you know, just those silly little things that bother people. Um, but it's, it is just good to talk about openly with students. You know, it's, we need to figure out how to work together again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a challenge. And, you know, our job is so much more than our content. Mm. You know, and I, I think we have more teachers that are looking at our job as more than just delivering content. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the key to getting us back and, you know, really helping students grow as people because, like, the population that I teach, I'd say 90% of them are never going to take another science course, you know? So, like, for me to sit here and say, hey, physics is important. And they're sitting there saying, not to me, mm. but you know, so, okay, so let's use this as a vehicle to learn a whole bunch of other things that are useful to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I think the more teachers that do that, you know, um, the, the better everybody's experience is going to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <sighs> all right, so let's start wrapping this up. What projects are you working on? What, like, you know, where can people connect with you? Do you yeah. Any final thoughts that you have? Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to encourage everybody to think about centering learning, devaluing grades, and just figuring out what works with your students. My number one tip, I guess, for any new teachers out there would be just ask your students for feedback. Yeah. I, I ask for feedback every Friday, um, and I have specific questions, and then I just always ask generically, like, what feedback do you have for me? What's working? What's not working? Uh, and I think that's the best way to be the best teacher for the students you have in front of you, not just doing that end of year survey. Um, what am I doing? I'm working on uh, an ungrading STEM teaching tool. So if you if you follow um, Phil Bell at University of Washington, they have tons of great equity resources. Um, even if you're not a science teacher, I think there are some really powerful things there. And otherwise, I'm just making it through the year. We got Science Bowl Nationals coming up, and uh, I will be hosting an ungrading workshop through UC Irvine. So you can email me. I'm jbrown at p, as in Pullman, sd267.org, um, and that will be totally free. Uh, and it will be four total days for two hours. So pretty chill if you want to um, jump in and like change your syllabus, work with some other people on ungrading. We'll be doing that. Um, yeah, I, and I'm just really active on Twitter. That's probably the best place to find me. So it's at Johanna Brown. Um, yeah, and I hope to connect with people. Thanks for letting yeah. me be here. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining me. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing your feedback. For more resources, visit www.reimagineschools.com or reach out to me on Twitter at David Franjosa.